Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast Blue Minds where we hope to break down the stigma of mental health. Uh, it's with your host me Tom Garrett and co-host from the Blues Focus team uh, Tom Oxland and if you are watching us on YouTube channel on our YouTube channel then please subscribe as it really does help. Uh, today we are joined by Kayla Hodges um, all the way from across the pond. I'm guessing it's 2.30, 3.30 maybe in the afternoon over there. That's about right, about, about 2.12. Right. About 2.12. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing anyway, mate? You okay? All well? All well and good? Yeah, man. It's a nice sunny day out there. Good and warm. Feels great. Yeah. yeah. I wish it, I wish, we wish it was like that over here. <laughs> like um, obviously, you know, we've had some some quite good news today in this country, really. We've um, we found out that our lockdown will hopefully be lifted um, sort of midway through April, I think, all, all being well and good. So, you know, that, that's something that can lift all our spirits up and hopefully people can get back to families and you know, back to with the mates in the in the beer gardens, pubs and stuff like that. I think it's going to be it's going to be a very busy day anyway in England on on whichever day that is when the pubs open. May seventeenth, the most important day of all. The return. Sorry, yeah, Tom. <laughs> oh, that was that was what I meant to say. That that was the return of the football fans. Sadly, I don't think uh, Birmingham City are going to be in the playoffs, so um, no. <laughs> I think we can rule that one out anyway. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, it's um, it's great to have you on again, uh, Carter. You know, cheers for taking the time out today. Um, I know we've, we've uh, you know, just briefly spoken about, you know, just a couple of things, really anxiety and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I just thought we, you know, we just get straight into it, really. And, I, you know, I, I know it's quite a, you know, touching subject, really. It can be quite, quite emotional, I'm guessing, to, you know, bring things like that up um, again. So I think it's really brave, you know, coming on today. Um, but I know one thing I really wanted to get into, um, you know, I mean, it obviously just explain your anxiety troubles and sort of how that led into, you know, attempted suicide, really. Yeah, so it's kind of funny because my looking at it now, I mean, this is something that has been brought up to me within the last year or two is that I've had anxiety growing up, but it wasn't diagnosed and for me. And in fact, instead of anxiety, I was diagnosed with ADHD Yeah. Um, because in some, especially boys, sometimes anxiety uh, as a young child looks like you know attention deficit hyperactivity disorder whatever i think that was the right or i think think it is to be fair (laughs) so yeah so it gets diagnosed wrong a lot and grant i didn't i never had really crippling just social anxiety or anything like that but it still went undiagnosed and after being put on ADHD medication after ADHD medication that I didn't need, it really took a toll on my thinking. Uh, When I was like 10, I was put on a medication for ADHD that I didn't need. And it just made me so angry that I was hitting things, hitting people, just lashing out, just going nuts to the point that I wouldn't eat. And through one month's time, I lost 30 pounds because eating made me angry. (laughs) <laughs> so i'm the same <laughs> and it was and that was just something that they just kept putting me on medication because the idea of anxiety just never came up so probably i don't know what it'd be for you guys but i guess it would, I would have been 13 14 maybe uh yeah, seventh yeah. grade for us yeah. uh, is when i had gone through i mean obviously hormones are going crazy for you know everybody around that time and 
yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I just didn't deal with it well. And there were a lot, there was a time where I decided I was going to, you know what, I'm, I'm through with this. I'm over it. And I was going to take my own life. And looking back at it now, it was really, I don't want to call it selfish because it's something that I didn't think about. I was yeah. a 13, 14 year old, but like didn't leave a note or anything, just did it. And it was a great, but horrifying moment when I woke up afterward and I was still there. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like, Oh my God. Like, how do I explain this to my grandparents? What do I do? It was, it was a whirlwind, but after that, it was like, okay, I started appreciating being alive a little bit yeah. more, you know, cause it was like, wow, I've got a second chance here. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah. I suppose you know, that, that was probably, you know, very difficult for, for your family around you as well, wasn't it? You know, like you say, um, I'm guessing, obviously, you know, your mom and dad was there afterwards. And I bet that was, you know, re really difficult sort of conversations to have afterwards as well. Obviously, like you say, there's probably a lot of relief there um, on both ends, really. You know, as, as, as you say, you're still here, which is, you know, what everyone wants. And I think I think that's the thing with, you know, suicide. And I, I don't really know anyone personally who's done it. Um, I know there's a few people around my age, or, you know, a guy who went to school even. And it was just a big shock. And I think I think that's the thing with suicide. It's it's not just, you know, it's almost like dominoes, isn't it? It doesn't just affect, you know, one or two or people. It's like, I think I've seen a stat somewhere. It's sort of like, uh, you know, can, can affect up to like 50 people, um, even more than that, obviously, depending on how big your family, friend circle is really. So, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, I suppose, were they really there for you after that, you know, in bringing you back to, you know, some sort of happiness, I suppose, really? I mean, it was kind of a, it was weird because it was awkward afterwards yeah. um obviously there's a lot of happiness there like glad you're here but it's like what's the next step what do we do and why <laughs> that yeah. was the question was why and, and there's always that thing of never ask that person why but really for me it was a good question because i sat there afterward and i was like i don't know yeah i don't know why it was me making a rash decision because well I was young and dumb and, you know, I just thought it was the only way to deal with it, which for people in my community, uh, attempted suicides or unfortunately successful at times are not always, they weren't uncommon Yeah. for people, especially super young. I remember a year or two ahead of me, we had a kid who was in eighth grade who, who had attempted and it you know it unfortunately worked um and i remember everybody was just like why why did that happen he's so young but when you're in that mindset it's like i don't know why i did it yeah <laughs> i couldn't yeah, it's like, tell you it, it's, it's like you say you know you can't even i mean you know i've never attempted suicide i've certainly been in that place you know that very dark place and thinking about you know what what i don't want to be here no more and and it's, I couldn't even, you know, sort of imagine being in, in, in that place, as you say, really. And, and I think people say, people ask that question, they say, why, why, why did he do it? But you, I don't think anyone would ever know the reason unless she was inside that person's mind, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know, I know, I know you, you know, you talk about being a music, music in, uh, educator in your job. And, you know, I was just, just wondering, you know, how, how did you sort of cope with, with the anxiety in that? Because I know, obviously, we've, you know, comes performing comes, becomes pressure, as we all know, really. Yeah, so like I teach music uh, now. I'm still in college to get the final part of my degree, but I still teach hours on hours a week to teach music. Uh, really, I love working with little kids, especially. And 
first time I got up there, it was, I was shaking. It was crazy. I was so nervous because there are people that were looking at me, expecting me to know all the answers. And this isn't different than I guess any other job. Like uh, if there's anybody listening to this, who's a parent, I'm sure they might have this feeling of, you know, little, your, your son or your daughter real young, you're scared because you don't have all the answers for them. There's yeah. things that you don't know. Obviously it's not as sentimental as my own child, but it's still, these people are trusting me to, yeah. <laughs> to lead them. And that was a really terrifying thought. Uh, so yeah, like as a teacher, that was something that was terrifying. It's like, cause what if I'm wrong and I'm teaching these kids wrong and yeah. they're just going to blindly trust me. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I bet, I bet, go on, sorry, Tom. I was just going to say completely, I, I get that, especially kind of a performance anxiety point of view. I mean, I remember when I first had to host one of the podcasts on the Blues Focus channel, like that that pressure of being host compared to just sitting there and asking questions or well no answering questions like i i was terrified um but it went okay once i was in the situation and i had the same with six aside football um I, you know i was paying week in week out i was managing the team um and i think even though i was doing it for fun I, I never really got much fun out of it because for some reason, uh, although it means nothing, you know, it's just meant to be fun. The, the pressure would still get to me and I'd feel sick. Uh, I didn't want to eat or drink. And then I'd constantly take too much of my inhaler just so uh, I was like, uh, I'm prepared to go and do it. But once I'm in this situation, I'm fine. But yeah. it's, it's, oh, it's the build up. I, I hate I think, it. I think, I think that's one thing, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to listening to this, you know, whether it's, um, you know, being a teaching music, you know, uh, playing football, I suppose, you know, in front of loads of people or even a few people or, you know, anything really, whatever you do, you know, there's so many you know, pressures of anxiety and definitely performing. I mean, I used to do some kids football coaching and I always remember uh, there was a time uh, where we had to do like an awards sort of evening at the end of the season to give out trophies and stuff. Um, and, and there was obviously, you know, we went to this place, it was a big stage, you know, all lit up and that. And, and I remember, you know, going on that stage and, and, and just looking back at where the lights and because the lights are there as well, you know, you can't see enough. You can't make out who anyone is. And it was just like my knees was obviously shaking. My hands was going. I couldn't even think about what I had to say. And it was just like, I remember thinking, I think I was about 19 at the time. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm never doing this again, you know, for carry on football coaching. <laughs> Someone else can do the, the awards evening. But I think that's the key, isn't it? You know, what I'm trying to get at is if there's one thing, you know, as much as we worry about things before we do them, I, I always think as soon as you've done it, you feel so much better for it. And as you say, Kelly, <laughs> I suppose it gives you that that confidence then, you know, to, to teach people. And, and I suppose, you know, once you get comfortable with the, the, the children you're teaching as well, you know, the anxiety soon goes away anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, the thing that you talked about, which more people are going to recognize that feeling as stage fright, right? Yeah. Um, performance anxiety, like you both talked about it. Um, for me, I'm, I'm still playing my instrument. I play French horn and I deal with horrible performance anxiety. My horn teacher who has played all over the world, uh, world renowned, everybody, a lot of people know who he is. Uh, he was like, yeah, you have some of the worst performance anxiety I've ever seen. Um, and it's don't help. <laughs> it does not help. Um, but the first time that I performed for my 
colleagues, which sometimes is scarier than anything else, is seeing people that you interact with every day. Um, I was on a big stage and the lights were on. They were all on me and everybody was just staring at me and I just couldn't breathe. And it was whenever I finally could breathe, it wasn't stable. It was just like, I didn't know how to start. My hands just couldn't move. And I was just shaking like crazy, but I had to play anyway. And it sounded horrible. I mean, it sounded <laughs> like I was a, a six-year-old trying to go up there and learn how to play the instrument. And it was, after I got done, I got the pity clap and everybody was like, good. I'm like, no, it wasn't. Don't lie to me. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, everybody's had that feeling of whether it was a presentation for work or they had to go in front of a classroom or, and say something to their colleagues. It's just like shaking and tense and stage fright or performance yeah. anxiety. And it's, and it's really, especially for someone me, who's a musician that is debilitating because that's my whole career Yeah, is performing. And I have a fear of performing. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I can understand, you know, you might begin to doubt yourself when you, you know what you're capable of, but then you start to lower your own value of your ability. And it's kind of picking yourself up after that. And I think obviously you do the podcast, things like that will help you, yeah. you know, keep high vibes. It certainly helps me anyway. For sure. I was going to say, you know, definitely for, for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the same and, I'm actually a barber, you know, for my work. So, I, I mean, people find it strange, but I have performance anxiety with that sometimes in the sense of if I wake up in a bad mood and I'm a bit, you know, depressed or down, I know that I've got to go into that shop and, you know, be the forefront and the, you know, smiley face. And, and like you say, sometimes you don't want to do that, but, you know, you just have to do it anyway. And as Tom just said, you always, always feel better for it afterwards. And I think, you know, if you can, I think there's one thing I used to, Someone told me, you know, when, when you're feeling really anxious and, you, you know, you're struggling to sort of catch your breath or, you know, you notice your breathing go really, really high. It's stupid things like just counting to 10, you know, 10 deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. And I remember I, f I first did it and it was ages ago and I, I got to about five and I thought, no, this isn't working, give up. But I think, you've, you know, if, if you can, you know, just it just takes your mind off what you're feeling anxious about, really, which which helps more than anything. But, I, you know, I suppose that sort of brings us nicely into our into our next point, which is where I think that links in really nicely with, you know, what us three are all about really, which is football or soccer, yeah. if you, you know, if you want to call it that. Um, but I know, you know, lately, especially with Birmingham, you know, we've been giving the, the, the fans a lot of, uh, sorry, the players a lot of stick, you know, because of performances and managers. But I mean, you know, I suppose really, I think that's one thing, you know, I wanted to try and get across is that we are all human. And, you know, I'm guessing th these people who, you know, go out on the football pitch and, and, and have to perform, you know, if they've had a bad day in the morning or, you know, something's gone wrong the night before, they've had a fallout or, you know, a relative pass away. You know, I think I think sometimes us as fans, you know, we need to give them a little bit more, you know, credit with that because it, it's something, as you say, we're human and, and we all get anxiety. Yeah, so I recently kind of have an experience, I guess, with this. Um, yeah. So I play seven-on-seven -seven football uh, with a local local group and local league, whatever. And I play keeper. And so, but the team I'm on is most of the people on the team are from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And most of the time they are speaking their native language. And when I first started playing with them, talk about nerve wracking whenever, you know, there's a, you know, language barrier 
you know, so first of all, I don't know if they're talking crap about me because the first match I played horrible. So they're probably saying, you know, horrible things about me and just different things like that. And also these are I'm playing in front of a bunch of strangers anyway. Now, further along, some of these guys are some of my best friends I have right now where, you know, we worked through some of the language barriers and everything's doing okay. But the first time I was there, I was, I was so terrified of screwing up because I, when, especially when you're a keeper, it's like, I'm the last one. If I screw up, I look horrible. Last it doesn't matter. Defense, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your, what your defense did in front of you. If you make a bad save or if you get a hand on it, but it goes in any way, you're just inconfident. Um, and, and, and no one ever remembers the, you know, the strike commission, the open goal, do they? You know, yeah. everyone always remembers the keeper who lets it go through his leg. So, you know, you get, you don't get away with it either in goal, do you? No. And, but just think about it like Birmingham City is a perfect example. Um, and I guess Legion as well, but more so Birmingham City. You have people who are playing with people who don't speak their native language. You're having to rely on short phrases in English, maybe, if you're that lucky for people to learn that fast. And then you're playing for millions of millions of dollars, or, you know, some people a little bit less than that. And you have millions of fans giving you pressure all the time. I mean, my one day of being anxious because I thought my teammates were going to hate me, multiply that by a thousand because you yeah. have millions of people, millions of dollars on the line if you make a small mistake. I mean, for me, that'd be crippling. Yeah, I, w yeah. I wouldn't even be. I wouldn't even be able to walk out onto the pitch. I don't even think I'd make it to the ground in the morning. To I, be I'd, I'd, I'd vomit on the pitch. Hundred <laughs> percent. I, mean, I, I remember I had. Um, it was kind of when I just come out of secondary school, and um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life. So I tried kind of like um, this football course, um, but it was very practical. Like you know, you had to play uh, football for the community team, and you know, just being around like people like that. Yeah, yeah. I think, especially in England, there's 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 very much a certain type with a lot of footballers, and they're all very confident a lot of the time. And I think you have to be to play uh, English football in particular. You have to be a very confident character. And I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I I was there for a few minutes, and I didn't want to be there. So I was like, oh yeah, can I go to the toilet? And I, I was sick and I was like, no, I've got to go. I'm sorry. I, I, I've got to go. Um, so I chose not to do it. But I, it was just that self-doubt because I felt yeah. like everyone around me was so confident when they might not have been. This is why I don't know. They might have been just like me, but I couldn't ha handle that pressure in particular. Yeah. But, but I, sorry, Tom, I was just, I, I just going to say, you know, I, I know what you mean with that sort of, you know, mentality. And I think... I might be wrong here, but I've always, you know, after being to America a few times as well, I think that's something us in America, you know, from America, I think that's something we share, that mentality of, in terms of, you know, I don't think there's many other countries in the world where when their sports teams do bad, they put negative things in the media. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll never see Germany, you'd never see Germany or Spain or France. Um, but I know like in terms of because we speak the same language, I suppose our media is very similar. Um, and, you know, just looking at the way sort of the Sky Sports News has gone, where it's, you know, it's going into that American mould of their, you know, NBC, SN, those kind of sports channels. And I think that's something that, you know, must be a lot of pressure in itself, you know, knowing that, you know, as you just said, Kay, you know, just making a mistake or, you know, as you said, Tom, you know that you're going to wake up in the morning and your face could be on the, you know, the, the, 
the TV when you turn it on and, you know, not a nice headline. And, and I suppose, you know, I know they get paid a lot of money to do this, but, you know, I've always said the money isn't their fault. You know, they, that just comes with the job, doesn't it? I think, you know, if I'd, I'd love to be on that sort of money myself, really. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it, it's like you say, it's, it's, um, it's, it, it must be really hard, you know, being a top, top level athlete, really. I mean, yeah, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, people want to throw out money and, it, it's kind of hard to just say, you know, you're put, you're paying this, you know, you're, you're worth this amount of money. You should be this good. If someone came up to me and said, Hey, can I give you 30 mil? I'm not going to say, sorry, I'm not worth that much. <laughs> yes. I'm going to take the 30 mil. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Sure. It's like in, in, in other sports. I mean, you probably know a lot more than me, but you know, you see some of these, um, I think it was a baseball player. Actually. I just saw um, just on some news, you know, he's been signed to a 14 year, contract till 2005 uh, yeah that was him and I thought man that must be the you know the largest contract I've ever seen in sports I think it it's not even the biggest no <laughs> not even the biggest in baseball I mean no. baseball ridiculous <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry, sorry, are... sorry lads just give me one, one second the, the doorbell sorry sorry one second <laughs> well there there we go there it is <laughs> um oh I was trying to Ah, oh, that's it. I've remembered the name. I was trying to think of a name of a particular ex-American uh, NLF, uh, NFL player. Um, and I was thinking of about Aaron Hernandez. Aaron, wow. That, what a, he was a, he was something, man. An amazing football player, but he, Sorry, he, <laughs> he went on, I mean, he was never, on stable grounds i mean everybody knew that he had a trouble pass but then things sort of got better and then he went back to his own stopping stomping ground and i mean aaron hernandez obviously a lot of people relate to cte with head trauma which is mental it's something that you can't really help how your brain ter- deteriorates yeah unfortunately yeah. which is terrifying but i mean he went from being i think the highest ever tied in to be uh ever paid or whatever within a year of that of being arrested for murder and people thought he was a part of the boston bombing <laughs> people... I, you know, I remember seeing something about that i i watched um the netflix documentary that was made yeah. on him not long ago um and obviously you know well we've just been talking about the pressure of media um there was there was a lot of media surrounding his case in particular, and the the rumours of of him being, you know, uh, gay. If yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I, by the by, listening to even voice calls of him, um, you know, he'd he'd put on the persona of not liking, um, that you know, people who were gay, um, and I think he felt that fear from the media that he didn't want people to think he was gay, yeah, even yeah. though he might well have been. And that's what, that's what a lot of people hinted at. So, you know, a lot of people f- fear the media and fearing the media can make you do crazy things, especially if you're an athlete. But unfortunately for him, you know, he, he had the head trauma he had from playing a sport like American football, which is very physical. Yeah, and it you know it it can do that to you from a young age, um, the sport like that, and it's it's no surprise really. But to be fair, by the looks of things, they seem to be doing a lot nowadays to try and stop 
things like that. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't live over there, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> they, they say they are. It's They're not really doing anything besides putting on the show. I yeah. mean, mm. people want to point out, this is a uh, high controversy, Tom. If you like rugby, <laughs> you're probably going to hate what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, so I love watching rugby. It's a lot of fun, but I think you guys can agree. Most collisions that you see in rugby are probably side to side. They're more shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And that's just how, and they wrap up from the side in American football. They put pads on everybody. They put helmets on that really don't do anything. They just make you feel like Superman and you collide head to head, head on. If you took those pads off, they would probably tackle like rugby, which is why you don't see as many rugby players leaving with concussions. You don't yeah. see as many of them just knocked out on the on the pitch because they don't have those same type of collisions. And which is why I don't think American football is more physical, but it's more violent because there's yeah. just so many head yeah. to head. I mean, for you guys, they have taken it out of rugby which rugby is a thing here, but not really. But American football, I mean, head-to-head -head collisions, that was what was number one on the you know, top plays of sports media for the next week was look at this man. He's dead on the field. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> That's bonkers. I mean, to be fair, just think, you know, on rugby and American football, it's – like you say, it's definitely more violent despite having the padding that people might think, you know, helps. But for me, the big difference is in America, anybody can play American football because there's yes. so many different positions that can accompany any anybody with any body type. Whereas you look at rugby, it's a very specific body type. You know, they're, they're yeah. all very built and you've got massive legs <laughs> and it's it's like you don't see many rugby players that are like stick thin whereas yeah. you'll you'll see plenty of absolutely huge american footballers but plenty that are like as skinny as my finger it's yeah. <laughs> you know that i think that's a big difference in the sport let alone so it's it's and I think I, th I think they are you know they're just they're so athletic yeah. as well aren't they some of these you know NBA and I know NFL players a lot of them they sort of play all all sports don't they in universities and stuff and I think there's been a couple in the past I mean I'm probably I know, I know you're big into rugby all the time don't I'm not a massive I prefer NFL than rugby to be uh, honest to be honest I'm not massive on it but I like you not know I like yeah, the rugby yeah. world cup and that's it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know. <laughs> but there was, um, I think there was a bit in the news. You might have heard about this, Kayla. I think it was a couple of years ago, and I found it really interesting. There was um, an NFL player. Um, was it Josh Gordon? Um, Josh very Gordon. controversial player. And I know he got in. You know, I remember him. I watched it. It was, I think, it was a documentary on him. And and I know he got, he got. No teams would look at him because of, you know, he was using. I think it was marijuana or some sort of substance. Um, but, you know, watching his documentary, all he was saying is oh, the only reason I'm doing this is so I can, you know, get so I can relax at home. Because he was saying, you know, every, every three or four days after a Sunday game, you know, you're at home and you're just depressed. You're sitting there, you're in pain from head to toe. And you think, as you say, that, that's got to take its toll on you at some point, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, with if you want to hear more about the Josh Gordon story, I mean, it's, it's so touching. And honestly, if there's anybody listening to this who struggles with addiction, yeah. I highly recommend you watching more of his about Josh Gordon. It's on YouTube. Uh, super, super famous, I guess, sports 
storyteller. His yeah. name is Flimlo Raps, and he tells the story of Josh Gordon, and he's very neutral. He'll tell him that he was stupid in some instances, and it tells you, hey, have sympathy for the guy. I mean, he was talking about how he was drinking lean and doing, like, hardcore drugs and yeah. when he was 12 years old. <clears throat> In class, he would go to the bathroom and do drugs and then come back to class when he was 12. And that was just so he could deal with his daily life. And because he got mixed up with the wrong crowd, and that's just what happened. And now he's so addicted to drugs that he keeps trying to play, you know, football, but he, American football, but he's just, people don't want to have that, a guy who's addicted to drugs. And yeah. teams have tried, but he just keeps relapsing after relapse. And, I mean, it's really hard to watch because he came out and said that every single game he ever played in the NFL, he was drunk and high. Yeah, under the influence, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just for you guys, I mean, he is a top-level athlete. I guess this is not a great example. Be or I'll, I'll find a way. Imagine Pogba coming out yep. a couple of years from now saying. Every single match, I was stoned out of my mind, and I drank yeah. a fifth before I stepped onto the pitch. And can, can you, like, yeah, can you imagine what the media would? I mean, they they love they love going all over him anyway, don't they? Yeah, you know, I was gonna say they, they kill him enough as it is for the way he dresses. Yeah. So yeah, I, and that's how they do Josh Gordon here, and that's it becomes such a negative stereotype to people with addiction who struggle with addiction, yeah. which. I guess we can talk about a little bit like my family. I didn't grow up with my parents around because they struggle with addiction. They were off at rehab. And so I grew up with my grandparents. So I've seen what addiction does firsthand. So whenever I watch someone like Josh Gordon, I'm like, just lay off of him. Like uh, people don't want to say addiction is a disease. You don't just get over it. You don't just stop smoking cigarettes. You don't just stop drinking or stop doing drugs. Like this is a real human. And the only reason that you care is because he's being paid millions of dollars to catch a football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely to win to win their bet, or you know, for, like you say, for their sports team, or you know, their ego, really. I suppose, isn't it? Exactly, and I mean, yeah. Tom, you'll you'll know quite particularly because we talk about it a lot. But it's um, some people get off on being negative, yeah, and yeah. just straight up horrible. They won't have a reason for it. You can ask them and be like, yeah, but why? You you, you don't even know me or you, you don't know any of the content I produce, for example. And you just get negative comments anyway. I I don't understand that mindset. I don't I don't understand. I'll be honest. It's something I'd love. To, I think we've, the only way we'll ever change that now is I don't think you'll change people of a certain age. You know, I know it sounds really horrible, but I just think, you know, if you're a certain era, or a certain, you know, I, I just don't think that that is not going to change in your mind. But I think, you know, what we can do, I suppose, is, you know, the younger generation coming through. Um, you know, I think I think I think I said that um, on a podcast yesterday, actually, Tommy. I think or previously, you know, about us yeah. talk about Marcus Rashford being, you know, that type of up and coming sort of new sports star. You know, they're a lot more. They're a lot more. I think they're a lot more sensible now, aren't they? And I think you know, they are, yeah. yeah, and and they have to be, you know, so careful what they're putting on, and 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 you know the work he's doing, giving school school children, you know, free meals is absolutely unbelievable. And hopefully, you know, there'll be more 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 coming through doing good things like that. But I do fear that the minute they stop doing it on the pitch, you know, stop scoring goals or stop, you know, whatever, that's when the downward spiral starts. Normally, isn't it? 
So anyway, Kayla, I just wanted to ask you, obviously, you know, you do the Hammering Down podcast um, like we do uh, the Blues Focus podcast. And we've just spoken about, obviously, some of the, you, you get the occasional people that are like to hate and don't don't really understand why sometimes, unless there's a justified reason, then fair enough. You, everyone has their opinions. But I, I just wanted to know, obviously, I don't know whether you've had any stick. Um, people on media tend to, but... I just wondered if you have, how, how do you deal with it personally? You know, I do get a little bit of it. Uh, a lot of people, especially fans of rival clubs, <laughs> which Legion Shit don't on have. The Shit on the Memphis. <laughs> Beat me to it, Tom. I thought I was going to get that one in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, fans of rival clubs are people who maybe it's very strange. I got a, one of my best episodes i think i did was with uh bruno lapa who is one of the kindest humans on the planet he is a brazilian footballer he plays for us he was easily our mvp last year just wonderful guy um and afterward i released it and it was great i had for what where i can view uh my statistics i can see where people were viewing from and i had a ton of people from brazil and I remember I got probably 10 messages from people from Brazil because they were like, we don't like the way you're painting us. We think like we're not violent. And I've, I never mentioned violence or what all. And it was just like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're stupid American. And, you know, don't you even try talking about football like, you know, anything you're talking about. Just go back to, to watching your hand egg pretty much. Essentially what I got is because I'm American, I'm uneducated, and that's just because I'm a dumb Southern idiot. Um, which for stereotypes, uh, being from the South, even in America, this is especially in America, people just assume that people from the South are stupid because as heavy accent. <laughs> and my accent, unfortunately, if you watch TV shows, my accent is strongly stereotyped to yeah. ignorance and hate. People assume that everything I'm, I'm saying is derogatory and hateful, and that's just not the way it is. I mean, it's crazy. I've, and it, I've never, yeah. never thought about it like that. You know, never. I, you know, I've never, never thought. I, I know what you mean. Now you've said it, but I've just never thought about how you would feel in that position. Yeah, I mean, you'll hear like the stereotypical American person. You know, they'll talk about, they'll say something bad about someone who's black or from another race or being really derogatory. And they're always using this voice right here. And that that's was good. Supposed to be me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's me. That's who they're depicting. Yeah. And whether it's right or wrong, it's, I don't know. And that's where I got a lot of hate from with my podcast is people just automatically assumed I was ignorant. Yeah. Um, and, for me, it was easy for me to brush that off because if anything, it was them that was ignorant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Them going to call me hateful and say anything like that. Well, just like we said with other footballers, we don't know them. Yeah. You, we don't know who they are. The media can say whatever they want. They've never met them. You don't know who yeah. they are as people, just like other people who want to criticize me. You don't know me like that. I yeah. want you to get a chance to know me. Because I think I'm a decent human, but you can't obviously meet all seven billion people in the world. It's just not possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I know exactly. I just, just again, I, 
really know you know which saying i mean i've never been to is it the south you're from sorry in is it the south where about where you're from wait sorry can you, this yeah this alabama alabama is that like the south yeah um, yeah yeah so i mean we, i've never i've never been to you know that that part of america but from what i've heard you know that the best people going because of the most down-to-earth proper american people so america america wow um alabama is the the our state nickname is the heart of dixie um which is basically we're the heart of the south that's where we yeah. are we are we are the slap dab middle of the south and i yeah we have our bad apples like everybody does but there's a in america um there's a thing we we definitely southerners stick by which is southern hospitality we take a lot of pride in helping each other out uh and when i was in i don't remember what grade it was 2011 uh my community was destroyed by a tornado yeah. um and that day in alabama over 300 people died through tornadoes because it was a major outbreak and it was probably five o'clock in the morning and one of our neighbors were just cutting down trees in our front yard because they just wanted to help out and help us start cleaning up. No one asked them to do it. It's just, yeah. and that was normal. That was nothing out of the, out of the normal of that. It was not like, wow, look at how nice they are. It's just, that's our community. That's just yeah. who we are. And, and and over here, it took a you know a, a massive pandemic for people to start acting like that with each other, and that and that's the, you know that that yeah. shows how much you know the, like you said the community the community you're from is obviously you know really good good spirited. Um, just, but I suppose you know just just getting on just a lighter subject now. Just get well. Hopefully, if you've got good <laughs> good good uh, good anticipation for the season. Um, obviously, I know your new season for Birmingham Legion starts pretty soon. Does it? Uh, so we don't know exactly when it's going to start. They've given us a time range of yeah. mid-April to early May. They're basically trying to see where numbers are, vaccinations are. Um, but the boys, uh, Legion start preseason on March 1st. Yeah. And then from there on, it's just working up to get match fit. What are the, um, what are you, what are your hopes for this season? I mean, wait, I was just looking to be honest, just looking where you, because obviously it was a bit of an interrupted season. I'm guessing, guessing last season. Uh, we were the only team, or one of the few teams that actually did not get interrupted by the season. We oh, hadn't played a match yet. Yeah. Um, strangely enough, because of the way the schedule worked, but it was definitely weird. We played the same club. I think we played Charlotte four times. Yeah. Very strange to play at the same team that many times. You definitely start building a rivalry with some of those people. There's a guy, Martinez, on their team. He has a man bun. Hate that dude. That's <laughs> the awful guy. I don't know so, him. So, This is me like, not knowing him as a person. Sounds like Jack Grealish to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know the guy, but I'm sure he's a terrible human. I don't mean that, but I kind of do. Um, um, I don't know. He it, it started building those kind of rivalries, but us last year, we kind of fizzled out at the end because people started figuring us out. We were a counterattack team. People start, our team started letting us just hold possession and we didn't know what to do. Um, across all the divisions of football, you know, one through five is really what we have. We have other grassroots, but it really doesn't go past five. Yeah. Um, I, legitimately, I believe that Legion have the quickest and cleanest one touch passes of anybody across all the divisions where I think we're the best. And yeah. Uh, as soon as you took that away from us, we really struggled. 
Uh, and we also had two of our midfielders having to play back line because we had so many injuries. Yeah. <laughs> so didn't didn't work. One was a one was a defensive midfielder who became a center back, and the other one was a was a left like a red left. Uh, sorry, left midfielder closer yeah. to a to a winger. And he was having to play left back. Yeah, <laughs> just was not great. And sounds, sounds a bit like Liverpool at the moment. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. Except they can afford new players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's true. laughs> um, but so this year we've lost a few of our defensive players, but we're setting up to be just lethal on offense. Uh, we signed some real talent up top. Uh, one of them was a super controversial. One, and you actually might have heard this story. We said we we're going to get a lot of topic, but here we are. Um, one of our players. Um, Is Junior it the Fleming. returning guy? No, not this one. Uh, this guy's named Junior Flemings. And last year, he made international headlines because he uh, called a, one of the few openly gay people in a U.S. Fo- or U.S. football or yeah, just football in America. Uh, it called him a derogatory term, shall we say? Uh, very common in Jamaica and the UK. You can fill in what you think it is. Um, in which the Loyal, which was owned by the Landon Donovan, uh, yeah. they forfeited the match because they said they didn't want to share the same pitch as him. I remember seeing that. I think I remember seeing yeah. the video of him. He, he led the sort of the walk off, didn't he? In the, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we signed the guy who said that, but we had a big press release and I like the way we handled it. They reached out to our supporters group and yeah. they knew about the signing a month beforehand and said, what are your thoughts on this? Basically, if you don't want him to come in, we won't. Yeah. And they're basically, they're partnering with two of our, um, LGBTQ plus groups in Alabama. And so he's about to get a lot of firsthand experience with talking with people that he very much hurts. So I think our front office has given him a short leash and has said, listen, it's one. I think that's a really, I think that's a really good way of dealing with it though. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not saying, you know, defending for what he's doing, obviously, you know, that was very wrong, but you know, I think, I think it's quite nice that, you know, they've given him the chance really i mean you know if it obviously safe you're signing him to play football aren't you so if he, you know if he's good at football obviously you don't want those comments but if he's going to learn and not do it again then you know there's no reason why why you can't have a second chance is there really yeah i mean and on top of i mean not superseding but like for seeding what he did you can't ignore it everybody when they hear the name they know what he did but he was also he's also a brilliant footballer he's so good he was easily, I mean, he was the league MVP until he was quietly removed from the league. Yeah. Basically, he was front runner for everything. He led the league in scoring. He led them in assists. He was just phenomenal. And then, for obvious reasons, he didn't win. Um, and now he's playing with us, who we already had a devastating attack last year. And now we're going to have more people playing their proper positions again. And it's going to be interesting. I think this year, don't know this for sure, but I talked to the president of the club on an interview on Hammering Down, and he said that we're going to start moving some of our midfield players who are playing back line into our midfield again. And unless we have a new signing coming up, 
it looks like we're going to be playing three at the back, which we've never done before, um, which could lead to a lot of attacking football. I, and, I, I hate I hate five at the back or three at the back. I will forever stand by four at the back for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, just another stereotypical Brit. Just play four four two. Don't worry about it. It's the classic. <laughs> In the words of Mike Bassett, four. four two. <laughs> so I mean, where, where, where do you? I suppose I know. Is it is it similar to the MLS? You know the way it's run um, in terms of yeah. getting to the cup final. Yeah, which yeah. I I have my own gripes with that. Uh, in one way, it leads to a very exciting way to to go to to crown a champion. Because to me, as an American, the most exciting football I ever watch of England is I love promotion tournaments. Yeah. They're so much fun. I mean, at Wembley, I mean, it's just electric. Yeah. And you get that basically every single night for about a month or two. For <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. But it also takes away from the people who you guys would just call it the, you know, the league winners, but we call it the trophy, the, the regular season trophy, the people who are the best all year long, it kind of takes away from that. So it's like, if you don't win the big one, even though you're easily the best one all year long, if you lose one game in the playoffs, you're suddenly trash again. I don't know. I hate it was that. a bit like, um, it was it not last, I think it was. It was the the new team, is it Los Angeles FC? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I think it was last year or the year before, they, they must have been 20, 20 points clear at the top of the table, uh, you know, in first position. And then I think they went out in the first knockout yeah. round of the playoffs. And you, you look at it then and you think all that hard work and it's like for nothing, isn't it really? But on yeah. the other hand, I suppose you kind of probably see different winners, whereas in the English game, you know, it's your, your Man United, over the, over the years, Man City, Liverpool. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, continuous winners in the uh, second division uh, because there is no promotion relegation, which that's a whole nother discussion, which it in the U S it's just, to me, it's not feasible because of how large it is. Yeah. Um, yeah the traveling buy into the leagues, don't you? Yeah. And that's yes. And it really sucks. And I hate the way that it is, but something I talked about on my podcast the other day our biggest rival kind of I mean, Memphis is our biggest rival, but not really because their front office doesn't care about their own team and their fans don't yeah. even care about their own team. So who do we hate really? <laughs> um, so, but they're two and a half hours away from us for yeah. you guys. Villa's a 10 minute walk. <laughs> I was going to say it is, it isn't far. And no. when it's, when it's Derby day, if you're a neutral or you just don't care about football, I suggest you stay home. You know about it and you get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's better so, off that way. Cause that's, that's the way it gets. I mean, travel costs is ridiculous. I mean, we get a decent away days in the second league, but I mean, you look at, I remember 2018 or 2019, one or two, whichever one was our inaugural season. We had to play a team from Canada twice. That's an 18-hour that drive. Yeah, that's Jeez. that's a European night for you guys. <laughs> exactly. uh, I was it's just crazy. thinking, like every single one of your away days is like Newcastle away for us. Yeah, and legitimately, most of our away days are usually five to eight hours a drive, that's and that's close. Lot. That's a close drive. And then obviously you've got the you know the jet lag, haven't you? If you're going into different time zones, that kind of thing for players as well. So you know yeah. it is it is a. I, I did think that actually because I know I've noticed in the MLS they tend to play 
two or three games straight away, don't they? And then have two or three at home and, and do it like that. Um, but but no, I mean, I wish, you know, I wish we could wish, wish we could talk all night. Really, I think it'd be great if you know maybe one day yeah. we could we could get to play, you know, be a nice friendly against each other or something, whether it's over here or in America. You know, I think one thing I really loved last year was when you know when all this started up, and I thought it was. I just thought it's it's typical Blues, you know, Birmingham fans, what we do. And I think just by you talking about, the, you know, the way your club is as well. And I mean, it's the way, we, you know, we want to be really. And, and you know, you, obviously you mentioned Memphis being a bit far away, but I suppose, you know, it's, that's that's still your our villa to you, isn't it? And, you know, yeah. hopefully, um, hopefully you can finish above them again next year anyway. Yeah, I mean, we don't even know if they have a team right now. Apparently, last time I checked, they only have two players on roster and they don't even have a head oh, coach. Oh, <laughs> so, me, me, me and Tom might get me and Tom might get a game then over there. Hey, if you want to put in a ship, surely it's better than who they had last year. You might yeah. be able to do better than Tim Howard. Um, <laughs> I, the thing is, is that we hate Memphis from when we were back in Division Four. We yeah. were a fourth division club, and then they had a new team buy them out, and their new ownership, their new ownership, did not care about their past. They brought in new fans. They ignored their old fans. I mean, I've made this a, a comparison a while back, but it's like AFC Wimbledon and MK Dons. I mean, yeah, yeah. you it's it's Good two it's the same group, but it's not. They're two different fan bases. One of them really cares about the club, and the other one, everybody sees them as plastic, which is how everybody sees Memphis now. Who remembers? I'm really impressed with your knowledge, by the way. I just, I just want to put oh, yeah, that out. Brilliant. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know a lot about the. My honestly, the, the, the you know the, the distances between places, and you know, top, 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 uh, top research. Dude, have you been? Have you, have you been to the UK before? I've never left the country before. Um, no, no. Want to do it though, um, dude? My whole life is basically watching baseball and football. I will wake up at 2 a.m. to watch Australians play football. Then I'll go to bed and wake up at, at 6 o'clock in the morning to watch the uh, English Premier League, go to bed for a little bit, and then I'll go out to Birmingham at 2 p.m. And for for a home match. <laughs> see, see I, wish, I wish that was like it over here because you're behind us. I mean, I love watching, you know, NFL, basketball, baseball, but so all the good, all the good, yeah, all the good games run at like two o'clock in the morning over here. So yeah. if it was at least over there, you know, you, I always think I'd love to be, you know, in America on Premier League day because you wake up and it's like 7 a.m. till sort of 5 p.m., isn't it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just going to say, uh, who do you support Australian team-wise? Um, I was a big fan of the Melbourne Hearts, and then they became Melbourne City, which that became a part of the city group, like Manchester City. Yeah. And it was kind of, it was still fun to watch because I, one of the clubs that I supported before Legion became a thing, because they're a newly established team, one of our former players with FC Cincinnati went down there and started playing for them, Harrison Delbridge. And he started playing down there, and it happened to be the club I already kind of supported anyway. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I actually have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something in there. But now I, now that he's not with the club anymore, I just kind of like to watch. It's They're just phenomenal. There was a match the other day. I don't know if you guys have ESPN+, Plus, but it's like – it's it's so cheap. You should get it. There's Bundesliga. There's we're not we're not allowed it over here. What? Oh no, because of the um the restrictions, isn't it? The the yeah. yeah. But yeah. I did actually buy ESPN Plus when I went over to Florida last because watch the Blues. Yep, watch Blues. <laughs> that was literally the only reason I bought it. So it's, I could watch Blues. 
it's such a it's so easy and it's cheaper than blues tv first off yeah um and that's per month not per match and but there was a match on there it's like aberdeen and someone else it was ridiculous it was a three two match and i was up at like two in the morning watching it and the other team was just killing them but Aberdeen won off three pins. Dude had a hattie off pins alone. <laughs> and it was just ridiculous. It's not good football. They're I mean, they're good players, but they're not good teams. They're not to the level that you guys even see in the championship. But man, it's just a fun watch. Yeah. A lot of English people, particularly my dad, refers to Scottish Premiership football as pub league. Um <laughs> So, you know, I enjoy watching Scottish football. Some people don't. I think that's just kind of the England-Scotland rivalry there. Um, I enjoy watching MLS more than I watch watching Scottish football. I know that. (laughs) MLS has come a long way from when it first started, when they first had those weird penalty shootouts. Well, you dribble. Oh, oh, wow. (laughs) That looks strange. It was so much fun, and it was a great idea. But man, how much more American could could that get? <laughs> I was just I was just about to say that I didn't want to offend you, but I wanted to say that, so I'm glad you said that. I just couldn't. Yeah. It's something that you know, proper sort of like the NBA slam dunk show, isn't it, or something? Or... <laughs> oh, that that's brilliant. I wish I wore one of my MLS shirts because I've got an Orlando City shirt and I got a New York City shirt, which are both two relatively new clubs. In fairness, yeah. Uh, yeah. Orlando City's been around for a little while, but they were in USL, which is where we play. But they, oh yeah, yeah, they uh, bought their way up. Um, essentially, it, they kind of got promoted because they their fan base was too big for MLS to ignore, and they just happened to have a rich owner. Yeah. Um, so it it's ridiculous. But I guess kind of tying back to the old conversation, the US is too big and travel costs are too large that if a team like Birmingham Legion, I we're I don't think we're gonna fold, obviously, but we're not rich. I don't think we could afford away days flying out to Seattle or out to Vancouver or, you know, anything like that. I mean I'm sure taking buses and maybe flights if we're going somewhere like Ottawa, but taking buses for eight to twelve hours, I'm sure that's that hurts the wallet a lot for our level. So yeah. financially it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, crazy. I mean, it's like you say, so I suppose it's having, I mean, over here, you know, if you go to an away game and you've got, I don't know, if you, say if it's two or three hours away, you don't get back till, you know, 2 a.m. And I suppose, you know, a lot of people can just get up and go to work, you know, just on little sleep. But if, you, if you're talking 18 hours, you know, you've got to have, you've got to make sure you've had days off work, haven't you, really, as well for yeah. that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard, hard thing to do, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, John, I was, I was just thinking, um, Oh, no, thoughts left my head. Actually, one point I was going to mention earlier, I know you mentioned Flemings, um, mm. but it made, it reminded me, and Tom, I think you'll agree, it reminded me of Ravel Morrison and Jermaine yeah. Pennant. Yeah. yeah. Um, Even Marlon King, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, yeah. I mean, Jermaine Pennant played with, with a security tag around his ankle. Like, you don't hear about that sort of stuff happening in football ever, really. So, there's uh, classic and it, blues. And, and if, yeah, if you, if you do hear it, he's probably paid for the blues. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know. But it, no, it's, uh, it's, it's been uh, brilliant, uh, honestly, uh, Tom and, and Kayla, really, mate. I, you know, just again, I know we, you know, we went quite lighthearted toward the end, but I just thought, you know, with the, 
the start to it, you know, it was nice to get a, end it on a on a nice hope, really. Um, yeah. And sure. and. Uh, and definitely, you know, we wish wish you all the best in you know in, in everything really in life. We'll and get you back on. Doing. Yeah, definitely get you back on. Um, I think it'd be brilliant to have you on the Blues Focus podcast as well, which is our yeah. sort of main you know football podcast as well. If, you know, if you'd be up for that in the future, for sure. Yeah, percent. Cool. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening, and thank you, Kayla, for coming on again. Uh, and just again, if you are watching on our YouTube, uh, please subscribe as it, it really helps. Uh, but for now, until next time, stay strong and keep right on.